Welcome to another episode of the Old Soul Movie Podcast, a show that features backgrounds, reviews, and reflections of some of the most influential movies ever made. And now your hosts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Old Soul Movie Podcast. Today, we are covering a movie that has been long requested ever since we even started this podcast. And honestly, I kind of thought that this would be the perfect time. Its sequel just came out, and I feel like it's a very patriotic movie, so I thought it'd be perfect for the 4th of July, and it is Top Gun. Yes, the original Top Gun, 1986. Okay, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm starting to lose my voice, so talking's a little bit difficult right now. Um, Also, we had to change our schedule up a bit. Uh, In full transparency, we were actually supposed to record this a few days ago, and that actually coincided with the day that the Supreme Court came out with their overruling of Roe versus Wade. And honestly, it was a little bit of an emotional day, and I just honestly didn't really feel very patriotic. I'm I'm just still not feeling patriotic. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's been kind of hard to get in the mood to celebrate the country that we live in when things just feel so unjust. And if you're an old Hollywood fan, you'll know that reproductive justice has been a long-standing issue intertwined with old Hollywood. Um, I look at several actresses back in the day who were forced to have abortions for their career. Judy Garland is one that comes to mind. And then I also think of Rita Moreno. She's a legend, a living legend. When she got pregnant with Marlon Brando's child, it was arranged for her to have an abortion and it got botched. And I know she's spoken out about how happy she was when Road passed so that people who can get pregnant can have safer safer abortions. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a little bit tough because I think about, I think anytime that there's force that hits really close to home, I think that that's something that touches us all. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a little bit hard to do this. Um, that being said, however, I, I do still want to cover this. I still kind of want to do something in the 4th of July, because I actually think that this movie brings up a really interesting topic about government relations with movies. Uh, So we can touch on that a little bit, but also Top Gun Maverick just came out. Uh, The smash hit sequel that came out 36 years later after this. And we saw it and spoiler alert, I, I really did love it. I thought it was phenomenal. And I was a really huge fan. I actually think I liked it better than the original Top Gun. However, you've got to watch the first one to appreciate all that goes down in the second one. I would agree. The first Top Gun movie, it's all just a bunch of one-liners. It's a classic. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love it and I appreciate it for what it is. But Top Gun Maverick is just a genuinely good movie. It's the best movie of the year. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. And it's interesting because in a lot of ways, that movie makes me feel hopeful, um, which I know is kind of weird, like given <laughs> the the context of these movies. Right. But 
uh, we're going to go over Top Gun first, kind of our thoughts. Nothing too crazy in depth. The other issue I've been having is that my internet went completely out last week. It was just on the fritz. And there were some parts of the movie that I couldn't rewatch. Luckily, I'd watched it you know, a month ago. So I'm kind of, for some things will be based off memory. Some things will be based off of my rewatch. If you're interested in watching the original, it is available for free on Amazon Prime. So check that out. Check it out if you're planning on seeing Top Gun Maverick. Um, I guess anything else? Yeah, hopefully uh, if we forget anything, please, we'd love to continue having discussions maybe on social media or outside this episode. But yeah, I think we'll be just kind of giving some opinions versus going too high in depth of like how this was shot or that was shot or what this means. Um, So yeah, just kind of a laid back 4th of July weekend episode. Hopefully this can be fun in the background as you're grilling out or with friends or watching fireworks. I don't know. But um, yeah, here we go. Top Gun 1986. And then we will have a little time reserved at the very end to give some thoughts on Top Gun Maverick. So if you haven't seen it, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll cue you when you should leave. <laughs> okay, here we go. Top Gun, 1986, directed by Tony Scott, written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. It was based off of an article called Top Guns by Ayod Yune. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. It came out in May 1983 in the issue of California Magazine. And it was produced by Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, Cinematography by Jeffrey L. Kimball, distributed by Paramount Pictures. Again, more specific release date, May 16th, 1986. And that was actually the week before Memorial Day, which was not very common practice at all at the time. And as we can see, Top Gun Maverick, I'm pretty sure that came out Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. It is 110 minutes. And its budget was $15 million. Its box office was 357.3 million. So good margins, good, good margins. (laughs) We have quite the spectacular cast. We have Tom Cruise as Lieutenant Pete, aka Maverick Mitchell, a U.S. Navy pilot. So actually, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, I think there are a few people up for it. Like Charlie Sheen might have even been one. He ended up starring in the spoof of this movie, which is kind of funny. Uh, the actor Matthew Modine actually turned down the role of Pete Mitchell because he felt that the film kind of had a little bit of a pro-military stance. And that was against his own politics. Modine would actually go on to start in Full Metal Jacket, which definitely is a military movie with a very different tone than this movie. Highly recommend checking that one out if you haven't seen it. We have Kelly McGillis as Charlotte, aka Charlie Blackwood. She's an instructor at Top Gun and also Maverick's love interest. Um, This person actually was based off of a real life person named Christine Fox, and she actually worked at a naval air station. We have Val Kilmer as Lieutenant Tom, a.k.a. Iceman Kazansky, one of the top students at Top Gun, Maverick's rival, but who knows if that'll last. (laughs) Uh, So interestingly enough, Val Kilmer did not want to be in this film, but he was forced to because of his contract. It ended up I feel like working out for him. He's super well known for it. Yeah, he was in a bunch of movies after this. Uh, And then we have Anthony Edwards as LTJG, Nick, a.k.a. Goose, Bradshaw, Maverick's 
radar intercept officer or RIO and his best friend. We have Tom Skerritt as CDR, Mike, AKA Viper Metcalf. And by the way, every time I say AKA, that's their call sign. Uh, it's basically their name also. <laughs> I feel like anyone that's seen the movie should know that. Hopefully. <laughs> So this character was a veteran of the Vietnam War. He served with Duke Mitchell, Maverick's father. The officer that this character is actually based off of makes a cameo in the movie, which is kind of fun. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have Michael Ironsign as Rick, a.k.a. Jester Heatherly. We have John Stockwell as Bill, a.k.a. Cougar Cortell. Uh, we have Barry Tubb as Leonard, a.k.a. Wolfman Wolf. Uh, we have Rick Rosovich as Ron, a.k.a. Slider Kerner. We have Tim Robbins as Sam, a.k.a. Merlin Wells, who is Cougar's RIO and then later becomes Mavericks during the climax. So fun fact about this, Tim Robbins is actually a very well-known actor. He's in a lot of stuff, but I feel like this is one of his earlier film roles. It's kind of interesting to see that. And then actually, fun fact about Tim Robbins, he's six feet five, and he would have been too tall to have been a naval aviator because he wouldn't have been able to fit in a, an F-14's cockpit. I guess, how old, how tall do you have to be? What is the height requirement? I don't know, or but I guess you limit? can be, I bet you can be a little bit more petite. Huh. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just interesting stuff. Um, and then I'm going to skip down a little bit to Meg Ryan as Carol Bradshaw, Goose's wife. Meg Ryan, Amir Bebe in this movie. I think this is her third film ever. Yeah, she was at the very beginning of her career when this came out. That's crazy. I didn't know that this would be our third one. I, she looked really, really young. Yeah. I just I, Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, she's just starting out. So that's what's like so crazy then when you look at Top Gun Maverick 2. I feel like when you're casting their kid, it's kind of like you have a, I don't know, like you can look at Meg Ryan and like kind of compare to her too. She's so well known. Yeah. All right. Here we go. The background of this film. Oh, you know what? Let me start with my own personal background because I think this is kind of funny. Okay. (laughs) I had not seen the entirety in chronological order of Top Gun until last month. I had basically seen the whole movie in parts. Like I knew everything that happened. I had seen all the scenes. I knew the relationships. I knew the loose plot of it all. You know, I, (laughs) I knew everything. I just had never seen it in order, like from start to finish. Um, and so that was kind of fun to put the puzzle pieces together and watch it for the first time. So I got on a really big Top Gun kick because then I went to go see Top Gun Maverick after, and then you're like, ah, so this was fun for me to finally watch the whole thing. How about you? Had you ever, you know, I, I pretty much knew everything that happened in the movie, but I actually hadn't officially seen the movie until a month ago when we watched it together. I just... I knew everything that happened somehow. I don't know how, but I had just never seen the movie. And it was, it was great. Yeah. It was just one of those like dirty dancing is actually very similar to me. I don't think I've ever watched that movie in chronological order from start to finish. 
I have just seen every scene and can, you know, get the references. <laughs> but, I, feel, yeah. I feel like growing up, we watched so many movies that at some point, like things just have become blurred. Yeah. And we just never finished watching some movies. We started some. And I feel like that's how this happens because I have a lot of movies like that too. Yeah, no, for sure. There's, there's a couple in there where it's like, Oh, I'm probably, I probably should sit down and do the whole thing, but that's, I, yeah, good stuff. But this movie's background, it became the top grossing film of 1986. This was a smash success. It no wonder everyone is so attached to this movie. Um, it's first weekend. I think it grossed 8.2 million, which is just incredible. And I think it sold ultimately 47.6 million tickets in North America, which in during its initial run, which is pretty cool. That is cool. And I can totally get the appeal of this. I feel like it is in a similar feel to how when Star Wars came out in 1977, I think that you're getting lot of different types of movies but then sometimes when you reel it back a little bit and a, a former person in Isabella's life called Star Wars cliche but I'm gonna fight that and say <laughs> that. <laughs> well that's why they're a former person Emma <laughs> and here's the thing cliche and archetypes it's such a fine line And I feel like when you look at a concept of a hero's journey, it's not to me a cliche, it's just archetypes, you know, and you can fit those archetypes in however you want. That's just it. I think that Star Wars started with that basis and then it grew to all these other really cool stories. And then I feel like, you know, while this only has one sequel, it's very similar. I feel like we have our young hero, you've got the older wizard type, you've got the sidekick, you've got the damsel in distress um you know the love pinterest and it all fits like those touch a chord with so many people so it it makes sense for it to be very universally liked it's a good formula honestly if you're looking for mass appeal it is no (laughs) i ah you know that's that's how you really know ask a person their opinion on star wars and then you'll really know (laughs) if they should be in your life (laughs) Agreed. But I think what's most interesting about this movie is that you're looking at the 80s, you're kind of in the height of the Cold War. You're getting a little bit more patriotic type movies coming out. Like, you know, I'm I'm thinking like Rocky Four also. You're getting some of those coming out. So it then begs the question of okay, government representation in films. And I don't know if this is something that a lot of people are interested in at all, but you really do kind of have to work with the government sometimes to make these movies. So if we're looking at the history of it all, uh, during World War II, FDR, he actually, in June 1942, issued an executive order called the Office of War Information, the OWI, that had to be part of all levels of production for Hollywood pictures. And those productions had to support the Hollywood war effort. I'm sorry, the American war effort. So the OWI, it was exclusively dedicated to Hollywood. I believe it was even called or had like a similar name of Bureau of Motion Pictures. And they reviewed 
over 1,600 scripts and then revised them and changed them and got rid of anything that would display the United States in a negative light. Wow. Do they still do that? No. But well, oh. we're getting it. We're getting there. Oh, okay, we're getting okay, there. Okay. So I'm ahead of myself. All right. <laughs> um, and that included protests against war. So anything that was anti-war was was gotten rid of. It really did. I mean, it was pretty unpopular within a year of being created. Um, in 1943, I think the House of Representatives voted to get rid of it, and then. It, after the war in 1948, Congress passed the U.S. Information and Educational Exchange Act of 1948, a.k.a. the Smith-Mund Act. And I'm not a lawyer. I might not be explaining this the best, but that basically ensured that the government cannot fund like propaganda towards its own citizens. I don't know how to, I don't know how else to say it. No, I think that's a good way to put it. That the government can't be behind that stuff however i don't know i mean like we have free speech so things are going to come out you know so i don't i if someone's an expert on the smith mundact hit me up please but ultimately that was put in place to maybe like stop this like the president can't have his own bureau to put out war efforts is basically what i'm saying yeah okay and it's it's really not that unusual for the And it's called the military entertainment complex to exist. So it's basically, and it's still going on, interactions between military and entertainment industries. And it's seen as a symbiotic relationship. These military units kind of get a little bit of PR and the entertainment industry, they're getting this informational access on how to make something more accurate, um, entertaining to that subsect of people who are interested in military films. And so nowadays, movie and TV shows, and this is by choice, like this isn't forced, where I'm pretty sure the OWI was forced, like that had to happen. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, it's pretty much by choice. And it's through the Department of Defense's or DOD's entertainment media unit. Um, And it's within the Secretary of Defense at the Pentagon. And it, again, kind of deals with public affairs in relation to the entertainment industry. And this is not, you know, years and years and years ago. This is still happening today. Some example of co-scripted movies that the entertainment media unit for the Department of Defense has done with Hollywood films are Air Force One, Apollo 13, Black Hawk Down, Deep Impact, Silence of the Lambs, Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2. A lot, a lot. And Top Gun is no exception, 1 and 2. So both of these movies works very closely with the Navy to be made. (laughs) And when Top Gun came out, um, and you have to think about this, it's a little after Vietnam now, right? That was not a war that was held in the most positive regard in the States amongst the people. People had a very different opinion coming out of that than they did World War II. So this movie was a very perfect opportunity for the Navy to rebrand its image with a little bit of time in between the Vietnam War. Hmm. And also, I mean, to to be honest, a little bit getting people a little revved up and unified during the Cold War, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this was kind of the perfect movie for that. Yeah. Wow. 
no. So the Navy did a lot with the scripting of this. Uh, there were a lot of changes that were made, including the original opening scene was supposed to be, I think, in around Cuba, but they changed it to international waters. Um, the language wasn't as, hmm, how do I put this, crass, <laughs> sweary, explicit. Mm-hmm. And the death of one of the characters was also changed because it seemed like too many pilots were crashing. Um, should I just say it? I guess goose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, if people have, if people don't know that by now, this movie's been out since 1986 time to get a move on. Yeah. So goose dies and in his death scene is his head hits, you know, the, the you know, one the top thing that, the roof thing that opens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But originally it was supposed to be a midair collision. And it maybe was like, no, that's like too much. Oh my gosh. That would have been <laughs> way too much. Thank yeah. goodness they didn't have that as the case. No, and they didn't want to make it seem like all they do is crash, you know, either. So it was just kind of like a military training accident. <sighs> I mean, okay. I guess the only difference I could see with it, maybe while Goose's death and Top Gun was a really big deal, uh, I feel like it all happened so suddenly and it felt like it happened relatively in the middle of the movie towards the end, mm-hmm. but more so in the middle. And it was just so quick. I mean, his head just hit the top and then that was it. And I just kind of feel like that's it. We're just we're just done with Goose now. <laughs> So, I mean, I think a midair collision would have been way more memorable for me, but that also would have been so traumatizing. That very. was a good idea to not do that. Yeah, very. Another change that was made was that the love interest was originally also supposed to be a member of the Navy. However, the Navy is like, we don't allow relationships within, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess co-officers or co yeah, working as if military no one was people. having relationships in the Navy. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> this is their window to be like, hey, that doesn't happen. Um, so they made the character a civilian and they based her off of a real person who was a civilian who did work as an instructor. But actually, kind of fun fact about her was she did rise through the ranks, the real one, the real Christine Fox. And she retired as the acting deputy secretary of defense, which is the highest post ever held by a woman at the Department of Defense. So that's pretty cool. Shout out to Christine Fox. But I mean, here's the thing. The movie gets a huge benefit from working with the Navy, right? Like it would have been very expensive to have gotten just one plane. But when you work together cohesively with the military, you kind of get any access you want to any planes, aircraft carriers, kind of all of it. Yeah. So I think they were able to use like four aircraft carriers, 24 F-14s, the F-5s, the A-4s. I don't know what any of these are. All the letters. <laughs> all, all the letters. All the and letters. <laughs> and, and, and not only that, you get some real Top Gun pilots flying them. So you're not like looking into getting stuntman pilots. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. No. So it was a very mutually beneficial relationship for sure. There was actually a tragedy that happened. There were, there were some like kind of stunt pilots that did do some of the scenes. Uh, a very tragic one includes the story of Art Skull, and he was killed during production in an accident, just like what happens in the movie, kind of. He was 54 years old. His 
plane failed to recover from a flat spin, just like Goose's, I'm pretty sure. And he hit the ocean. They never recovered the plane or his body. All they have is his last words. I have a problem. I have a real problem. So they have no idea exactly what caused the crash, what, you know, happened exactly, but very sad. And they did dedicate this film to him. Oh, that's so horrible. Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh. Well, that's kind and good of them to have dedicated the movie to him. It would have been horrible if they didn't. For sure. But then also uh, we have another kind of famous stunt flyer. All of Maverick's flying in the film, stunt flying, was done by Scott Altman. And he went on to become an astronaut. The natural progression. Yeah. (laughs) That is nice. Um, And something that I really admire about this movie is the fact that they do use real planes. It's all real. You know, it's real planes. It's real pilots. It's real shots that are in the air. And the sequel, quite frankly, follows suit with that. And um, I can't remember who it was that worked on Stranger Things. But in Stranger Things in this most recent season, the main villain, his costume wasn't CGI. That was all real. It was all real makeup. And they went to say, you know, your eye just knows if something's really there or not. And I couldn't agree more. And I think that's why I was so engaged with the action in this film and in the sequel, as opposed to some of the other escapism type movies that come out, because I, it felt like I, it was real, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was definitely more real. I feel like I've been struggling with CGI and lots of newer movies coming out um shout out to the newest doctor strange i love the first one hate the second one because (laughs) the actual cgi looked like it was done by a child it's some of the worst cgi i have ever seen in my life and so i feel like we're going backwards with cgi it's time to go back to the basics yeah i'm my i'm so ready for that i think it's just more refreshing i just feel like it's more engaging. I, and I'm not totally against CGI and maybe this is going to sound weird, but I actually, I think that CGI can really work in fantasy type movies. Oh yeah. But when it's like something that's supposed to actually be really happening in our world, like that can not sit as well with me. I think CGI is best used for whimsical things. Yeah, and exactly. whimsical movies. Exactly. But when you are trying to make it feel more real, primarily to all the superhero movies coming out, once you when you try too hard, that's when you lose me. Because yeah. then I don't feel like I'm a part of it. It just feels whimsical. No, and it's just like what Christiana said when she was talking about creating the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde makeup, uh, when one of her family relatives like took the orange and like made the skin texture with it. There are just so many brilliant makeup artists. I really appreciate the human craft with it, the artistic touch that you get from a human that's not a computer. Because it is diff- to me, it's different. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But um, well, speaking of art, <laughs> this movie was also super well known for its artistic musical soundtrack. Uh, one of the most popular soundtracks of all time. It got like a platinum certificate. It was number one on the Billboard Top 200s or something like that. Um, 
yeah, one of the best selling of all time. And let's highlight a couple of the songs on there. We have right. Take My Breath Away, composed by Giorgio Morador, written by Tom Whitlock, performed by Berlin. This won Academy Award for Best Original Song and the Golden Globe for Best Original Song. Take My Breath Away. It's a classic. It's, it's, it's a great song. It's a classic. <laughs> That's really all there is to say about it. I mean, you know exactly what's going to happen when you hear that song. You know what scene's coming up. It's just iconic. It's sexy. It's romantic. It's great. And quite frankly, I think we have a very worthy predecessor in Top Gun Maverick with Lady Gaga's Hold My Hand, which is right now my favorite song of this day and age. Like Lady Gaga, she's perfect for the sequel to this. I mean, she is our current modern day 80s pop star. And the song is very, it's a ballad. It's a hardcore banging ballad. It's great. And I'm hopeful. I'm I'm hopeful that it will win best original song at the Academy Awards. If it doesn't, I'll be upset. I don't care what I know that we've got a lot of year left, but I don't care. I think that that's it. I ride for Top Gun Maverick. I love that movie. <laughs> we also have Danger Zone composed by Giorgio Morador again, written by Tom Whitlock, performed by Kenny Loggins became massively popular with the song. I mean, Danger Zone, it's it's another classic that everyone just knows and associates with Top Gun and action. Yeah, I feel like all the songs in Top Gun are associated with Top Gun, <laughs> which like, I mean, for someone who hadn't seen the whole movie until like a month ago, I, I knew all these songs were associated with Top Gun. That's right. how iconic it is, how iconic the songs are and the movie is. Yeah, including You've Lost That Loving Feeling, which was not written for this movie. It was sung by the Righteous Brothers. Mm -hmm. This this movie made that song, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't alive before this came out, but I just feel like this cemented it as kind of a classic legendary song and a pickup line song at that. (laughs) I, I, I think it's a great pickup line song. Um, And then we have Great Balls of Fire by Jerry Lee Lewis, famously immortalized by Goose and Goose's son. (laughs) (laughs) More more on that later. (laughs) Uh, But kind of going back a little bit to the Navy, uh, I mean, this movie was popping, right? Great soundtrack, great story, great characters, star appeal. Was going great. Uh, this film was becoming super successful. That the Navy actually was setting up recruiting booths in some of the bigger theaters to kind of like recruit people after seeing this movie. Because like you're ever who doesn't want to be a naval pilot after watching this? I don't care what your stance is on anything like war and military wise. Who doesn't want the adventure of flying through the sky and kind of being a hero? I want the whole experience of being in Top Gun without actually getting in the plane and going up in the air. (laughs) Pop me. I want to be in the classes. I want to be going out and drinking with my buddies. I want to go and play some volleyball. That's all I want to be doing. It's a dream. How could you not want a part of this? Um, And it shows they had the highest application rate the year this came out. Wow. I wonder if there's going to be another spike. I'm so curious. I, mm, I bet there will be, because I will say Top Gun Maverick made me more intrigued. Yeah. I, hmm, I'm not sure. I could almost see it. Not just with 
some of just the current things going on in the world. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But there, there, I mean, there are some criticisms, some criticisms. Obviously, this is a very like, yeah, Navy <laughs> kind of movie. And a lot of people did critique this film to be basically a recruitment video. Oh, yeah, I think I think it, right here it went up 500% increase in recruits. That's a lot. <laughs> a pretty sexy recruitment video. For yeah. Considering <laughs> everything that happens in it. <laughs> and initially, initially, um, they were going to have an ad for the military, I think, when this came out. But then the Navy was like, no, that's good. It's, en- it's enough on its own. <laughs> like, that was the yeah. right call. And there was actually some complaints within the military as well. The um, Department of Defense Inspector General thought that there was an increase in sexual assault and sexism going on within the military due to some of that, you know, cheeky sexism type stuff that was going on in the movie. Uh, that changes a little. I kind of feel like maybe a, a little, a little one, <laughs> kind a of little. a little. Uh, they they put a they put a girl pilot in there. <laughs> yeah, but that's about it. They they threw one one female pilot in and they were like all right we'll no, but, call it a day yeah but no certainly worth noting that this wasn't you know to the military's approval all around another criticism is that it promotes jingoism that basically it's promoting war that war is great and good time and yeah and you're a hero and all that stuff and then actually so i don't know I've heard a couple different iterations of this now. I heard that Tom Cruise said that he felt like it would be irresponsible to make a sequel, giving a false impression that they approve of war and that war is great and let's do it. Let's get on war. Um, But I've also heard that the delay in the sequel was also not finding a script slash story that they believed in that much, which I really admire. I appreciate if that's the truth, I admire that because I think the I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the new movie, so I think they made the right call. Yeah. And actually, actually, if we're really looking at things, I do think that there's a little bit of a spike of, um, you know, anti-communism movies that are coming out in the 80s. But I feel like by the end of the 80s, just from my own research and from my own movie watching background, I feel like. Hollywood shifts away from those sort of military movies, from those sort of um, U.S. sort of based focus. A, it could be to be getting rid of military influence in movies like like we talked about. Uh, But I also kind of see a shift in politics, maybe. And I'm seeing like the revisionist Westerns coming out. I'm kind of seeing a little bit more social justice being called into movies a little bit during that next time period after this movie. So I don't know. It's, it's really fascinating to see this like spike of such a, of a military focused movie and a super popular movie that came out. And kind of like we said earlier, uh, Tony Scott said that this film is the purest form of escapism and it mainlines entertainment. And I couldn't agree more. It's a story we can all connect with. Uh, we all have a little bit of a rebellious side, but we all have a little, I mean, not all of us. Some of us have some rule <laughs> sides in us. A lot of us like excitement, adventure. A lot of us like to be the hero. So I feel like 
It's a very connectable movie. It's visually pretty stunning given the time it came out in. Um, it's It's got a lot going for it. So I can absolutely see how this was the highest grossing movie of 1986 and how people were so hyped to see the sequel. Yeah, and I'll be honest, just like personal opinions, I typically don't like Tom Cruise movies. I actually like, I, I don't know him. I can't speak to him as a person. I do find that Tom Cruise is a very good actor, in my opinion. I think he's very talented, um, but I haven't loved all of his movies. That being said, I really like this one and Top Gun Maverick. I really like A Few Good Men. Also, I really like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a guilty pleasure, but cocktails. Kind of. <laughs> oh my God. That's insane, Emma. I would, I would, call, that, I would call that like, a, that's more of like an inside joke, fun movie for me. <laughs> Versus like, oh, wow. Best picture. Um, but, yeah. So it's fun to see a movie where I feel like he's really excelling and where I actually enjoy the movie itself. I feel like he is in primarily all action movies. At least a good amount of his movies are action. Oh movies. yeah. So I don't have a lot of experience with Tom Cruise. I've oh. obviously seen cocktail. I like <laughs> mission impossible ghost protocol. I like that one too. I don't think I've seen any of the Mission Impossible movies. That one's good. And you don't have to watch the other ones to appreciate it. Okay, good. Maybe I'll give it a watch (laughs) because look, I know a lot about, I I don't know. Okay, let me go back. I don't know too much about Tom Cruise as an actor. I have enjoyed his acting though. And I, in real life, I'm not really like seek, I'm not, going out to see his movies because I'm not really interested in his movies but he was pretty damn charming yeah he was was charming as all hell in Top Gun and in Top Gun Maverick I I got a little crush I think (laughs) I I I get I get the appeal now I get it a little it's hard not to have a baby little crush on the character of Maverick I mean if Cher could be in love with Tom Cruise at one point even for even for a moment, then I guess I can understand. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And this again, propels Tom Cruise yet again as a heartthrob. Um, okay. So let's get into the rewatch. We're going to kind of keep this a little bit quicker, just touch base on some of the bigger things that go down. Um, I'm actually going to chunk it by the Wikipedia article on the plot, just because my viewing was a little disrupted by my bad Wi-Fi. And then we're going to spend just a moment's time talking about Top Gun Maverick. Okay, so here we go. U.S. Naval Aviator Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell and his RIO Nick Goose Bradshaw stationed in the Indian Ocean aboard the USS Enterprise fly the F-14A Tomcat. During an interception with two hostile MiG-28s, fictional planes portrayed by Northrop F-5s, for anyone that gets that language. Um, <laughs> Maverick missile locks on one while the other hostile locks onto Maverick's wingman, Cougar. Maverick drives it off, but Cougar is so shaken that Maverick has to defy orders and shepherd him back to the carrier. Cougar gives up his wings, citing his newborn child that he has never seen. Maverick and Goose are then sent in Cougar's place to attend Top Gun, the Naval Fighter Weapons School at Naval Air Station Miramar. Okay, so that's a pretty good base layer of what's going on. Um, 
first of all, I don't know about you, but it just sends a little thrill for me, even when you read that Top Gun description. Uh, and it's crazy to think it's a real thing. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know it was a real thing <laughs> until recently. I didn't know it was a real school. I thought that that was just kind of like a catchy title for, you know, military plane. Wow. I mean, I, I wonder if the people who are in Top Gun, the actual Top Gun, uh, I wonder if they watch this movie a lot. I'm very curious about it. Well, it's kind of funny you say that because oh. I read in IMDb that there's a $5 fine for if in the real Top Gun school, if you quote the movie. <laughs> <gasps> Stop. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. You kind of have to quote it then. Just for the joke. I know I it's $5, but still, it's kind of worth it. Saying talk to me, goose is all worth those $5. <laughs> that would be so worth it. <laughs> I wonder. Okay, wait. I don't know if this is really a part of it. I am just so curious as to how people get their call signs. Okay. So I don't know how it works in the real military. Um, and I can't, I'm guessing the writers just came up with something that sounded clever in the, um, you know, old movie, but in the new movie, I'm pretty sure they all got to pick their own. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I think I read that somewhere in my mania, my Top Gun mania craze. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So is it like that in the real Top Gun? Do they all get to pick their own names? I bet they do. Okay. So, I mean, again, this is probably not the best source of knowledge on this, but <laughs> a while ago um, when the Bachelorette was out, I think it was either Michelle's season or Katie's season, one of the two, I don't know. They, they did a little promo for Top Gun Maverick, okay? And oh. they had the guy that plays, um, I don't know, the blonde guy in the new one. I'm blanking on his call sign. Oh, um, Hangman? Hangman, yes. yes. <laughs> That's such a, that is such a cool name, by the way. And he had the coolest helmet, too. Okay, yeah, sorry. Oh. We'll, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. <laughs> fabric but all i was saying was that in the bachelorette promo that they did i'm pretty sure it was the guy that plays hangman he he assigned the names like and so one of the guys is like a pizza maker he's like oh you're pizza maker doughboy (laughs) but i'm sure it wasn't him i'm sure it was a clever writer i don't know (laughs) whoever came up with it was smart that's Um, awesome though Maybe in real life, you pick your own. Maybe other people initiate you kind of like they do in Animal House. Funny stuff. Okay, what do we think of Goose and Maverick? As names? Oh, well, as names or, and characters. Or, or, or just as characters. Well, as characters, uh, you know, I love Goose. Goose is the kind of man I'd fall in love with just in real life. <laughs> Maverick's a little too confident for me. I don't... <laughs> But I, I think that they're, they make sense. Make sense for us. Really, their characters. I get a kick out of them. Yeah. And I love the initial introduction before you even meet them. Like, who's up there? Goose and Maverick. Oh, Goose and Maverick. <laughs> they're <laughs> Maverick and Goose. Yeah. Uh, you know that they're trouble. We love, we love a little bit of trouble. I love, they're, they're the rambunctious duo in the of, middle uh, of all the order and that's what's yes. kind of fun they're a juxtaposition against this military structure 
Exactly. Which is also very appealing for people who, let's say, aren't as military minded. Yeah. Okay. So the mix, I, I'm apparently it's a fictional plane situation. Um, I, I, I think it's based off of a real supersonic jet fighter created by the Russians or the Soviet Union, I think, um, but I think other countries used it as well. So it's my understanding the way that they're presented in this movie that it's not, you know, like explicitly the Soviet Union, but you can either connect the dots or look at maybe some of those (laughs) countries using this plane or maybe come up with a fictional country and suppose that it's using this plane. I don't know. I don't know. Left up to your interpretation. Yeah, but keep. But note note that thought of mine. Log that one away because I'm going to circle back to it when we come back to Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the MiG pilots never have a name. They never have an identity. Their faces are covered by the visors. And actually the F-14 pilot who flipped the bird was Scott Altman, the guy that became the astronaut. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's super fun. Um, Cougar's mental health scare, you know, definitely breaks your heart a little bit, but I think it's a pivotal moment in the storytelling that learning that although Pete Mitchell, Maverick, is a little bit of a rascal, a little bit of a rebel. He also does care about people other than himself. Like he has oh, an yeah. ego, but he actually, like he, he is not like um, too cocky to the point of where he doesn't care about his team. Like he, yeah. he, he risks his own stuff to help save that guy. Oh yeah. I mean, I think in a way it was kind of doing more than one thing for him to help save Cougar. Cause like, while it was kind of show like his ego was showing a little bit showing that he could rescue this guy, but it was also, he is just a good guy. Genuinely. He's got a heart. He's a softy. We, we all know this. And so I, I do appreciate them including that rather than just being like, Oh, you're the best of the best. You're going to exactly. like, he wasn't the best, but he wanted to help the best which then wound up helping him in his favor. I like that little note that they did. Me too. It's, you know, and, and in the script writing world, it's a save the cat moment, right? It's like, even if you dislike this main character, there's something established very early on, AKA the save the cat, meaning that, you know, you're a good person. <laughs> so that's just a little bit of like, common scriptiality to it, I guess. Um, okay. So there's a fun line here as they get, I guess, promoted out of last resort. Um, <laughs> like the, the, their higher up is like, Oh, you're making a pass at fly towers and one admiral's daughter. And goose is like Penny Benjamin. Um, <laughs> Penny Benjamin makes an appearance in the newest Top Gun, but this isn't the last we'll hear of Penny Benjamin. Just to note that there is a little bit of a, a love in Maverick's life that's established pretty early on in the movie. Uh, they also say, like, you know, you put in hack twice. In uh, hack, actually, I guess means being confined to the quarters. Like, you're not allowed to leave the ship when you're at port. So he's been, he's been, Reined in there and grounded quite a bit, this Pete Mitchell. He has. So it's a little bit of a begrudging sending to Top Gun. Yeah. 
And I feel like that would put a little bit of a, I don't know, not a chip on your shoulder, but give you something to prove once you get there. Yeah, I, I think so. Okay, moving on a little bit further. On um, the day before Top Gun starts, Maverick, assisted by Goose, unsuccessfully approaches a woman at the bar. He learns the next day that she is an astrophysicist and a civilian. Top Gun instructor, Charlotte, Charlie Blackwood. She later becomes interested in Maverick upon learning of his introverted maneuver with the MiG-28, which disproves U.S. intelligence on its performance. On Maverick's first training hop, he defeats instructor Rick, a.k.a. Jester Heatherly, but breaks a major rule of engagement by reckless flying, and then another by buzzing the control tower at top speed. Maverick and Goose are reprimanded by chief instructor Mike, a.k.a. Viper Metcalf. Privately, though, Jester tells Viper he admires Maverick's skill, but does not know if he would trust him as a teammate in combat. Top student Lieutenant Tom, a.k.a. Iceman Kazansky, is a rival, believing Maverick's attitude foolish and is flying dangerous since he often abandons his team to pursue reckless objectives, making him unsafe to fly with. In class, Charlie also objects to his aggressive tactics, but privately tells him she admires his flying, omitting it from her reports to hide her feelings for him. They begin a romantic relationship. A lot going on here. Um, but, but let's start at the very beginning. Classic motorcycle ride to Top Gun. Like we're there. It's happening. We're Top Gun, baby. They do this in the new one too. It's a really good recall to this moment. Gives you the feels. What do we think of the Top Gun Academy during some of these initial introductions? You know, the way they talk at Top Gun Academy it's exactly how I imagine men talk when they're alone together. <laughs> I, I would be so sad if that's actually how they talk <laughs> when they're alone together. This gives me a hard on by watching the whatever the video was. Like, yeah, and then the, guy, the, guy, the guy has the response. His buddy has like, a, oh, don't don't tease me or something like that. It was something no. I, I can't remember. That's just exactly what I imagine they talk about. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> Clearly someone had this thought to put it in the movie. So. <laughs> no, see, that's the thing. That's what it makes. It so interesting that you said that um, it got the approval because clearly they were okay with, uh, with these lines being said, which, Hey, you know, it's still Pride Month while we're recording this. I love it. I live for it. So I'm going to interpret it like that for myself because I find that go. more entertaining. That is more entertaining, isn't it? But it looks like <laughs> a bunch of reckless young men who are just so cheeky and are just have very, very big egos. All of them. Every single one of them. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta say, one of my favorites of the guys here is Iceman. Like, yeah. who knew the antagonist? <laughs> Competition for the best flyer. It is so on between Maverick and Iceman. Iceman is heir apparent. He's clearly got the best attitude. He's clearly got the best skill. It's a boot. He's a pretty good looking guy. So it, oh, it's, he's handsome. Seems like it's his to lose. But Maverick is all rascally and he's all. I'm the best. And he's like, yeah, I'm arrogant. And he gets a little praise from that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's the thing. Everyone in charge at Top Gun is like, 
what you did was reckless and you could have hurt so many people, but it was the best flying I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, what, what is Maverick supposed to take away from that? Except that he is the best and he should keep doing that. You know, it, it's, it's a classic conflict. You've got the wildly skilled, but non-rule follower, and you've got the, you know, pretty skilled, but not risk taker and they're head to head. I'm kind of rooting for Iceman. <laughs> I, I love how Iceman's like his, uh, I, I think it's his RIO is like, that's Mr. Iceman to you. <laughs> it's just so cheesy. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> that guy's really is ride or die. No, you can tell ice ice. It, that's just it. Iceman where I think we're supposed to dislike him, but I don't dislike him. And I think a lot of people have that same feeling. Yeah. He's a star. Yeah. Also at the bar, we meet our love interest and she's lost that loving feeling. Another iconic scene. I've probably seen this scene like 500 times before I actually watched it in the context of the entire movie. (laughs) But uh, what do we think of this approach to picking someone up at the bar? You know, it's a little embarrassing. I think it would work on me. I think it would. I think it's a it's a little strange because Emma and for the old soul audience, Emma, you know this. I have a firm belief. I don't like listening to non-singers sing. I could never go to a karaoke bar. I don't want to hear people who aren't professional singers singing. It makes me cringe. It makes me die a little, just just a little inside. But this, this was. This kind of was charming. This was a charming approach because he had a whole audience singing with him. This would only work on me because it is now a now movie reference. <laughs> if, <laughs> if a guy they have to, do this to me and make this a movie reference, yeah, yeah, it's sold. He's slammed on for you. It's uh, it's a little bit like. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I would cringe if it happened to me, but she, she handled it pretty well. I'm not going to lie. Probably better than I would. I'd probably just like get up and walk away. But (laughs) if it was like in the universe of knowing that this is a movie, that'd actually be pretty funny if someone had the, the, the bravery to do that, but whatever he's into her, this Charlie girl, but she's an instructor. (gasps) Oh. And that's a classic reveal, you know, she walks oh, down yeah. her little heels and whatever. <laughs> like, it's like, oh no, made a pass at our teacher. Oh, well, but you know, she's cool though, because when she was leaving the bar, she passed by Goose and she was like, oh, your friend is magnificent. Oh yeah. It, she's a, she's down to joke. She's down to mess around. She's a cool girl. She's a cool girl. And cool. Um, she had a little bit of fun before the big reveal. Yeah. I think that oh, that was yeah. it. Yeah, I would too if I was in her shoes. If uh, if someone that I knew was going to be my student and it was age appropriate and I was in the Air Force, uh, I would definitely play a joke on them if I was in her shoes. <laughs> Speaking of which, I love that they make it very clear that she's a civilian. It's like, this is Charlie Blackwood, a civilian. <laughs> <laughs> she's a civilian, nothing more. <laughs> Clearly, this is not a coworker relationship. Yeah, too good. Uh, more fighting comes out between Iceman and Maverick. And honestly, I think Iceman brings up a good point. Who was covering Cougar while you were goofing off over there with the inverted thing? He could have helped save 
Cougar potentially like back when Cougar was kind of struggling up there or like helped guide him without having to like go back down and then up again. I mean, Iceman's not, not logical, you know? Yeah. Iceman's not wrong. While he's supposed to be the antagonist and in, in most movies, most cases, I support the antagonist. Uh, And this movie is uh, no exception. I am team Iceman personally, (laughs) just because I, and I wanted him to win. Their their whole oh the Top Gun trophy yeah I wanted them to win the Top Gun the Top Gun <laughs> Ice Man deserved it he followed the rules he was safe but he was also a really good flyer at that he's got it all yeah I I think that's the beauty of the structure of this too we have like a light antagonist but it's subject to change and we've got a grander scheme antagonist of this non-named political enemy <laughs> Sorry. just these random pilots in the air <laughs> yeah yeah no totally agree um in the shots they're just so cool they're so realistic it's you know like i said earlier real planes real height um i don't i i'm, I'm like willing to bet that you've never seen this movie but it reminds me very very much of the movie we covered the first academy award best picture winner wings from the 1920s you should watch that as well like even if you do it's a silent picture so it might not be your cup of tea but (laughs) it might be i think it'd be really cool to watch that after watching this to see how they did the same exact thing in the 1920s and made it work with like flying up in the air with the planes getting those shots and then seeing them revisit that in the 1980s That would be cool to see. I'll have to give it a watch. Maybe even if it's just some of the military parts, um, like not even watching the full thing, even if it's just some of the flying action, even I bet there's videos on YouTube. Yeah. But Maverick on the loose, Buzz and Towers. And I feel like we're learning that Goose is the voice of reason in this pair. But we also find oh, out yeah. in this moment that he's a dad also. So oh. it, it does like harken back to, again, good storytelling. It harkens back to Cougar being a dad. And you're like, oh, there's stuff on the line here. And there's stuff on the line for this goose. Yeah. I mean, he's got a whole life outside of it. It's not like Maverick, where it seems like he's got nothing to lose. He's in it just to be the best pilot there's ever been. He's got a family. He's got a woman. He's got a kid. And he's got a lot to live for. And this is not a safe career. No. And Great Balls of Fire, Maverick's just, it's just not hitting home with Maverick. Iceman kind of like lays it down. You're unsafe. At this point, at this point, you know, they're fighting. Iceman just delivers that line to him in private. What do we think? Are we Team Iceman or Team Maverick on this one? Team Iceman. Team Iceman for sure. Yeah, there's such such a theme on gambling and being a rebel. (laughs) in valuing yeah. that but then also like seeing the the points of working within the system that ice man's talking about it's fire and ice over here <laughs> it really is fire and ice and you know look i know maverick loves goose maverick really loves goose and goose loves flying with maverick maverick is risky and goose knows that he knows that he's a risky guy to fly with but he loves him But I think Maverick needs to take into account that Goose has a kid and that he has a wife. And I I think he doesn't take that into consideration enough when he is doing dangerous maneuvers. And you would think that he would consider it more because not too long after this, he says the line of 
who's like, you're the only family I have. Yeah. And, you know, that's emotional tears and it, you know, brings up the emotional stakes on the next one. That's for sure. <laughs> it certainly does. Oh, uh, yeah. But apart from the training, we see some civilian-ish kind of life. Some of the, the chill parts of Top Gun life, the classic iconic volleyball game. Charlie asking Pete out, Pete Mitchell, Maverick out. Sorry, it's like five names. By that, I mean three. Um, but yeah, like it, it, there's there's some fun stuff on the rides, and it's not just all war games over here. The volleyball game. What are our thoughts? Does it get more 1980s America than that? It really doesn't. This whole movie is so 1980s. <laughs> it hurts. But this volleyball scene, especially that kind of that shows the real age of the movie. But I love it. I love it. The 1980s seemed like a great time. Fun stuff. And then we get that dinner with Charlie. A little bit of a cue of Berlin, take my breath away. Hot. Like it's, Hot. it's good. Hot. Oh yeah. Good chemistry. Good chemistry between these two. Um, and I also thought like Tom Cruise's eye color looked really nice in it. Like they made him pretty dreamy. He, I was swooning in that scene <laughs> where they were chatting on the, on the little, in the sunroom. In the yeah. summer, whatever it was. Yeah, he he did look dreamy. His eyes looked very, very nice. No, there were a lot of steamy moments. I, I actually, I really like the elevator scene. Oh, and yeah. That was, that was sexy, too. Oh, yeah. You know, I think they've got a hot and heavy relationship, but it's not one that could last. It's not. Interesting. What, what gave you the hint that it couldn't last? I just, I think that they're, they're just different, you know, mm. they're just two different people. And I think that he really does care a lot about her. And I think this was his first time besides Penny, um, <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't know too much about Penny in the original Top Gun, but it seems like this is the first circumstance where he really, really cares about someone besides mm. Goose. Um mm. And I think that that makes it a little bit more on his end than her end. I think he cares mm. more than he does. I think she's in it for like the teacher student relationship. Like, like she's the thrill of it the, all. The thrill of it all. Like she is into the sneaking around. And I think he is too. Cause you know, he's, he's, he's a rebel. He's a rebel. He's a dream pairing for him. Exactly. This is exactly what he needs to like keep him excited and keep him entertained during Top Gun, during the Top Gun program. But at the end of the day, she has other goals and she wants to go to DC. Become the top ranking female officer. (laughs) Top ranking civilian in the entire (laughs) United States. But that's not what Maverick wants. And I think eventually, yeah, they were going to grow apart if we had more time to see it. But I appreciate their relationship for what it is. It's just a hot, sexy little relationship. And that's all it needs to be. No, I like your perspective entirely. I think that he is a little bit more and we see it in the next one. You know, he's a little he's not as necessarily ambitious as her, which isn't a bad thing. They're just different. I think she's all like, 
up, up and away. Like she actually might have been a better pair with Iceman, to be honest. You know, I don't know. I could have seen it. I could have seen them working through the ranks together. Whereas I think Maverick was okay where he was at. Yeah. Iceman was on the rise though, too. She is like type A power couple type of vibe. Whereas he's like fun kind of like relationship about fun, you know? Yeah. He needs someone who's just down to have fun all the time. That, I mean, take note of that because that'll support my argument and later on talking about Maverick. <laughs> okay but um yeah we we see him getting vulnerable with her like you said he's oh he cares he's talking about his dad and then after a little bit of reprimanding she gives him a little bit of a hand slap during class oh so embarrassing <laughs> oh my gosh I would be so embarrassed oh he was not for it. he he did the classic boy running move not boy I mean, anyone could be a runner but um <laughs> primarily in men <laughs> yeah so but you know after reprimanding him she's like I see some real genius in your flying and like I couldn't say it to anyone because I don't want them to know I've fallen for you oh, cringe cringe I think we need some wine to go with that cheese <laughs> I wish that they cut that line out of the movie more than anything I, I love it I love it <laughs> Watching the movie, I fake gagged. I was just like, oh, come on. Oh, because I've fallen for you. Oh, gr- come on, Charlie. Stand up, girl. You were allowed to say that. You can say it. You can <laughs> reprimand him. I'm happy watching anyone be more awkward than I am. So <laughs> I'm never, never tired of those lines. Oh, it's horrible. So it, it was good. It led to a pretty hot love scene. Hot oh, yeah, song. That. that was sexy. That was a sexy scene. Okay. Hot. So, so, so much tongue. That's all I could see. Every single scene, just all the saliva and tongue everywhere. It was, it, it, it was pretty tonguey. Tom Cruise um, was getting into it. He was putting his whole heart and soul into that scene. Yeah, he really was. Um, but fun <laughs> facts about this scene and actually the elevator scene, these were filmed after wrapping up production of this movie. Oh. Yeah. So the audience, the test audience complained that there weren't enough love scenes. And so they, you know, this one's a little shadowy. So we get that. But then also, if you go to the elevator scene, she's wearing a cap. And that's because her hair is a darker color than it was during filming. So oh. they had to keep it to, and his hair is just a little bit longer too. I was curious about why she was wearing that cap because it looks so hideous. I was like, I how cute. Oh my gosh. I'm a no. <laughs> I, I was looking at that. I was like, what a hideous choice for their wardrobe department. Who decided oh my on God. that? That makes sense though. And you know what? To me, there's nothing sexier on a guy or a girl than a baseball cat. Okay. Well, you and I have different types of. <laughs> Uh, that has been made very clear in our <laughs> lives. Um, but uh, the test audience certainly got what they wanted because this movie is a sexy movie. Very, even like the little moments, the paper airplane the next morning, hot. You know, hot. it's just. <laughs> That's what if I if I was in bed with a with a person in the Air Force, I expect a little paper airplane after the, or the the naval air Air force. Any any situation in which you're a pilot, uh, I expect a paper plane because that's adorable. 
But then we shift gears a little bit. We meet Goose's family, uh, Carol, his wife, played by very young Meg Ryan. And then we have Bradley Bradshaw, his son, who would eventually turn into Miles Teller, a.k.a. Rooster. And, you know, they're a fun family. They're a goofy family. These are exactly the kind of people that would name their son Bradley Bradshaw. <laughs> so disrespectful. <laughs> that, is, that is one of the most disrespectful things you can do to your kid. Um, yeah. Uh, Miles Teller, in the newest one, he picks the call sign. Like, he picked his own call sign and made it Rooster. So it would kind of, like, sound like Goose and also be in the bird family. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Goose Rooster. Goose and Rooster. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. That was, that was a good, a good one. choice. That was a good choice. We have the famous Great Balls of Fire piano scene, which is paid homage to in the next one. And then we get another line. OK, another line referencing a former love of Maverick. You went ballistic with Penny Benjamin. Now, this girl has been mentioned twice now, twice. And before I even saw Top Gun Maverick, I knew in that moment that she was Pete Mitchell's one true love. I like you don't mention a non-seen character twice like that, you know? Yeah, that I mean if you are doing that, you're begging for a sequel. You are. Because how <laughs> am I supposed to just watch Top Gun back in 1986? Hear this girl's name twice, not see her in the whole movie at all, and then just wait so yeah. many years before finding out who this mysterious Penny girl is. Yeah. No, my curiosity is very peaked. I, it, it's to me, like, I just knew in that moment that the flame was not snuffed out there completely. So I'm so I'm so happy they made her the love interest in the new one instead of making it Charlie. Because again, like we said, I just think that their paths were meant to go separate ways. I think that Penny and Pete are just cut from the same cloth. I think that she, you know, I can totally see her being, you know, a rebellious little general's daughter who's like let me go fly with some some of the fly boys yeah and you know running a bar being close to the military like kind of that sense of home and family but also adventurous like they were meant to be it was just you know maybe some cases of right person wrong time like j-lo and ben affleck exactly like she had to go live her own life she had she had a kid with someone else and I think that this was all supposed to happen just later on. They were supposed to find each other later. But I will say I would have actually enjoyed, while I am happy that Penny was the love interest in Top Gun Maverick, and I know that's exactly what they were supposed to do, and that's probably what they've been planning on doing all these years, I still kind of would have liked if they maybe did a name drop of Charlie. Mm, yeah. Like maybe she had rose through the ranks critique. and maybe she like, helped him out a little bit like yeah, they, you know like, put a, in like a good exactly. that would exactly. have been a perfect touch like they remain friends they but that was it nothing yeah, more like oh ms blackwood sends her regards from the pentagon or whatever and then like a little bit of a like a knowing shake of the hat and smile from maverick that that that, that that's all i needed all i would have needed the writer should have put me in there. We would have gotten it done. <laughs> we would have gotten it done. I think that everyone would have appreciated that. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree. So 
whatever though um fine by me let's move forward and this is where it, during this section my internet started going out completely <laughs> so <laughs> this is just gonna have to be from memory but on training hop 19 maverick abandons his wingman hollywood to chase viper impressing viper with his flying abilities still he is defeated when maneuvered by him so his wingman gesture can shoot him from behind demonstrating the value of teamwork over individual Jester publicly tells Maverick his flying is excellent, but he should never leave his wingman, which has clearly been a problem. Maverick and Iceman direct competitors for the Top Gun trophy, chase an A4 in Hop 31. Part of the scoring in every flight is the time taken for every dogfight to conclude. Noticing that Iceman pulls time during his chase after the A4, so his total score remains higher than Maverick's, Maverick pressures him to break off his engagement with the A4 to shoot it down himself. However, his F-14 flies through Iceman's jet wash and suffers a flame out of both engines, going into an unrecoverable flat spin. Maverick and Goose eject, and Goose hits the jettisoned aircraft canopy headfirst and is killed. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let's back it up a little bit. We get the iconic line, one that I'm sure is cultivated in a lot of good fine money up there at Top Gun. I feel the need, the need for speed. (laughs) (laughs) That definitely has to be the one that's racking up the most fines up there for sure. It's probably finance some good teen dinners or so I'm guessing, right? (laughs) (laughs) It has to. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the need, the need for speed. Okay. But we've got to talk about this fight scene with Viper. All right, Mav is leaving his wingman post with Hollywood and goes for Viper. And again, this is where I go towards Team Iceman. And it's part of Maverick's journey. It's like, he should not have left his wingman. He should not have left Hollywood. Yeah, never leave your wingman. So now we're in a real war of like attitude versus ability. You need both. And Maverick needs to cultivate his attitude a little bit more. He has the ability, but it's like, rein it in. Yeah. Um, The death of Goose. It's devastating. It's, I mean, a part of the American culture. And again, the death was toned down. So it would be like more accidental versus like the results of ability. But it has caused some debate, I guess, amongst the top gun fanfare oh okay the debate is and in the movie maverick is cleared of being responsible for goose's death um but there is a debate was maverick actually really responsible for goose's death team maverick's actually responsible cites this maverick changes course he wants to get a better score so he does something risky which results in him going through the jet wash right? Mm-hmm. Which causes the accident, which causes the malfunction, which yada, yada, yada. Now, other people think it was Iceman's fault that Goose died. Huh. And their reasoning is that Maverick told Iceman to break high right, and he went left. But this caught, like, and I guess Iceman didn't really do that per se. And that caused Maverick to get in the jet stream. Hmm. Well, well, and Iceman then took too long 
getting a lock on the enemy fighter. You know. But do you think that they just made it a wash? Do you think it was just like both of their faults? And they're like, eh, both of your faults, neither of your faults. You're both the best flyers in Top Gun. (laughs) You know, because I think that the movie was like, Maverick, you are found at fault for... Like this was this death did not need to happen. I think this movie would have taken a very dark turn. I don't think it would have ended the way it ended if he if Maverick was found responsible for Goose's death. So I think that it was kind of chalked up to eh, 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 everyone screwed up. You know what is what it is. That's kind of the vibe it gives off, though, because like, yeah, Maverick didn't do what he was supposed to do. Iceman also screwed up. It just seemed like everything went wrong. Yeah. So may, I, I'm, I would be highly curious if you are in the Navy piloting branch and you have opinions on this, I would really like to hear whose fault you think it is. I think that they did try to make it as accidental as they possibly could. People will always do further elaborating on what movie what different things and movies can mean and this is one of those where i think it's to each their own i think everyone's gonna have a different opinion and i think they did as good of a job as they could with making an accident i think you're right i think it i think everyone kind of played a role played a role in this accident yeah yeah all right moving on um let's wrap this up really quick and talk about top gun maverick so the Board of Inquiry clears Maverick's responsibility for Goose's death, uh, but he is overcome by guilt and shaken. Charlie and others try to console him, but he considers quitting. He seeks advice from Viper, who served with Maverick's father, Duke Mitchell, on the USS or Skinny, and was in the Vietnam War era battle where he was killed. Contrary to official reports faulting Mitchell, Viper says he died heroically. He tells him he can succeed if he regains his self-confidence. Maverick chooses to graduate, and Iceman wins the Top Gun trophy. Viper and Jester deploy some of the newly graduated aviators at the graduation party. Iceman, Hollywood, Maverick are sent to the Enterprise immediately for a crisis situation, providing air support and rescue to the SS Layton, a disabled communication ship that drifted into hostile waters. Okay, so really quick here. Yeah, Maverick is in the deep grieving process. And I don't know, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think that Maverick should have taken a little bit more time off from combat situation flying. I think he should have taken more time off. And I think he should have started going to therapy. Yeah, I therapist in this. Yeah, I think he needed to take time off from class and go to therapy, focus on his mental health. Uh, just like Cougar, like why can Cougar yeah. do that? But Maverick can't, I mean, I know that that doesn't work with the pacing of this movie very well, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, in a real, in a real world situation, maybe that would have been cool for them to include in the next one, you know, but I, they didn't really do that. It would have been very progressive to show that therapy is a part of it because right. tragedies do happen. Yeah. And I, I think that would have been good. That would have been a little too advanced for their time. <laughs> Maybe. And his new temporary partner, their struggle bus in, like Charlie is trying to, you know, get on him. Okay. And she says something about the, like a line of like, you aren't, you're not happy unless you're going Mach two with your hair on fire. She's totally trying to steer him into doing something. He's not, I don't know, maybe possibly not ready for. Oh yeah. I don't know. 
But it is interesting they mentioned the mock too, because mock is mentioned in the next one. More on that in just two shakes of a lamb's tail. And then we learn the truth from Viper. The whole time Maverick's dad was a real hero and they just had to hide it because of some like, you know, water lines and stuff with boundaries and borders. Um, So I think this is interesting because the whole movie, and I I guess we haven't touched upon it too much, but Maverick's really been driven by something to prove, something to prove because his dad, in his mind, messed up. And then I think when Goose died, without them really explicitly saying it, he started thinking he's nothing, nothing but just like his old man. But then, <laughs> classic, that classic trope. Oh, yeah. But then we get the truth, you know? And I feel like Maverick needed that encouragement. I think he needed a little bit of encouragement that thing for things to go wrong and to think of, and to go back to what Maverick does best. And that is truly caring about other people. We saw it in the beginning with our Save the Cat moment with Cougar. Um, Oh, that's kind of funny. His name's Cougar, Big Cat, Save the Cat. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I I think he learns. And then I think it's Viper says the line of like, you know, that's all we can do. Evaluate what happened so you can apply what you've learned. And I think that that really changes him going forward. Um, I think that's a really inspiring line in the movie, albeit kind of, you know, buttoned up. Um, but I feel like I see that theme then running into the next film. It's like a very heavy part of that film, which is why I really enjoyed what they did with it. Um, you know, we all make mistakes, problems happen, but let's just try not to make them going forward. And it resulted in something terrible in the case of Goose, but it's like, it doesn't mean that he can't make things better going forward. So I don't know that I really did like that scene. Um, Iceman is the real winner of Top Gun. A lot of people mistakenly think that Maverick was the Top Gun, but it was Iceman. And then they get shipped out to their mission. And actually, this is just kind of the conclusion. Maverick and Merlin, who in Merlin was the former RAO for Cougar, who they probably should have just paired with Maverick from the beginning after Goose passed, but better late than never Uh, Maverick and Merlin are the backup F-14s to Iceman and Hollywood Iceman's not thrilled with this he's a little bit concerned about Maverick's mental state he's concerned about his history of leaving his wingman Um, (laughs) rightfully so yeah (laughs) and so subsequent hostile engagement with six MiGs sees Hollywood shot down I think he lives yeah maybe not I don't know I can't remember. This, no, is not, I can't remember. this is again, my internet was going out at the very end here. Um, yeah. And then Maverick is scrambled alone due to a catapult failure, nearly retreating when encountering circumstances similar to those causing Goose's death. So this is it. He's looking his ghosts of his past right in the eyes again. Um, finally, He decides to rejoin Iceman. He gets back on that horse. He refuses to leave him without a wingman and then shoots down three MiGs. Iceman also gets one and the other two flee. Upon their triumphant return to Enterprise, the pilots share a newfound respect for each other. Maverick throws Goose's dog tags overboard and attempts to move on from his friend's death. 
and then offered any assignment he chooses, Maverick returns to Top Gun as an instructor. At a bar in Miramar, he and Charlie reunite. It's a pretty good ending. You know, it's okay. <laughs> one critique, one, one singular critique. I am strongly against the fact that he threw Goose's dog tags over the boat. <laughs> look, look, I know that this was a big debate in the movie Titanic with the, with the heart of the sea, but in that movie, it made sense. The her heart belonged to Jack. Her heart belonged to the ocean. The heart was the diamond was dropped into the ocean. That was a circumstance in which dropping the necklace into the ocean made sense. This, however, I don't understand how they thought that was a good idea. They could have kept the dog tags for a sequel. They could have kept the dog tags to give to Goose's son. They could have kept the dog tags to give to his wife. Like they, they yeah. have options. Why was Maverick given the dog tags? At least I look, I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy only because Top Gun Maverick came out and there was <laughs> for dog tags to come back into play but they're gone they're in the ocean they're gone and lost forever that's my only critique with the ending of this movie that's it hindsight's really 2020 on that one there there was a couple good moments that they could have reincorporated those dog tags oh but, yeah. you know I, my, my only my only counter my only defense is that it makes for good imagery and symbolism and it's a way for us to know what's going on at, in on the inside that he's moved on that's you know all what? i can give you they could have done that with him holding the dog tags looking at the dog tags and then looking out at the ocean that would have that would have sold it for me that would have or maybe like putting the dog tags on yeah like looking yeah, at like putting the, the dog tags Look on at, looking up at the sky oh, oh <laughs> looking up at the sky now that would have been mwah, perfect see i think that they had options and I think that was the worst option, but they didn't know it. They didn't know what was to come in the future, but that's okay. No, no going back. Nothing else we can do about it. And if they had done that, I almost would have liked the reverse him and Charlie reuniting first and then him yeah. making reconciliation with Goose's death. I, like I said, sort of before, I feel like Goose's death was kind of just like, like, while I know it is one of the most important parts of the movie, it's like everyone knows about Goose's death. It's it deeply impacts Maverick. I feel like it was just kind of forgotten about. I, I feel like mm. they really didn't care enough to put more of an emphasis on everything that it meant. I don't know. I don't know no, if no, that no. makes any sense. I get that sense of emptiness or lack of. Mm, closure yeah like proper closure even though there's a little closure with the dog tag scene I think that to me I get a little I get more satisfied with like the closure to Goose's death because of Top Gun Maverick because I feel like that is a huge driving force in the whole movie so I that's that's my old that's how to me it reconciles a little bit I think if we were to take Top Gun Maverick out of the equation, I care more about them kind of wrapping up Maverick and Goose's relationship more mm. than Maverick's relationship with Charlie. Yeah, I mean, me too. While I do appreciate the sexy scenes, I love it. 
um, I don't need to see the meaning back up. I think the relationship <laughs> kind of ended when she left and I think mm. that should have been it. And then I would have liked to see him kind of just think on, just think on his whole career and think about goose. And I think that would have would have been the perfect end of the movie for me, mm. in my opinion. I didn't need to see a reconciliation with Charlie. You know what I did need to see the reconciliation for, though, is Iceman. I love that when they landed there, let bygones be bygones. You can yes. be my wingman anytime. Enemies to lovers, but in this case, enemies to friends. <laughs> enemies to best friends, even. Enemies to best <laughs> friends. They are so cute. I I love I love their back and forth. I love how it continues in Top Gun Maverick. They they needed that scene in order to go on in the future for him to really be a Top Gun pilot. It was it was so good. And uh, I would be remiss to not mention that the ending of this reminds me very very much of The Trouble with Angels. It's almost <laughs> the exact same <laughs> It's wow, almost bringing- the ex- exact same ending. You get this rebellious little rebel who's causing havoc the entire time, causing strain on all of their teachers. And then at the end, they want to come back as, as an instructor. And in Travel with Angels, she wanted to come back as a nun. It, it's the same. I- <laughs> that takes me back to the first movie we covered together, Emma. Yes. That is so cute. It is so like the trouble with angels. That okay, they had to have taken a little bit of inspiration from that. How Even could a little you bit. not? <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of this movie, watch the trouble with angels. Similar vibes for sure. Definitely. It's like actually it's, like super similar. <laughs> like maybe the same story, even just <laughs> arguably the same movie. <laughs> just different settings. Uh, yeah, it really reminded me of that. Okay, let's wrap up and talk about Top Gun Maverick. Now I didn't write any notes here. I'm just gonna like freely talk. Yeah. First of all, what did we think of Top Gun Maverick? Phenomenal. What did you think of it? <laughs> Phenomenal. Spoiler alert. It's one of the best movies of the year. I I just enjoyed it so much. After seeing it, and it's been a while since I've had this feeling leaving a movie. I haven't had this feeling actually since Knives Out. And then before Knives Out, I haven't had this feeling in a long time. But I just wanted to go back and, and watch it again. Same. I just, I, I want to keep seeing it. I like this 4th of July. I need to, fi- I need to figure out a way to watch it. Same here. Okay. If you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, this is your opportunity to leave right now yes. in five, <laughs> four, three, two, one. Thank you for coming by the old soul movie podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're gone. So, um, Yeah. I I wasn't going to lead with this, but I feel like I have to in order to explain my appreciation for this movie. Okay. This movie made me feel so hopeful. I felt so positive after watching this movie. I felt just like, like I wanted to believe in myself more. It really gave me such a good, warm, sunshine feeling. and. I think people criticize this movie very much like the first movie. They think it's a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of propaganda, a little bit of a military recruitment video. 
But let me say this. And like, you know, I 200% get that. I don't think that automatically has to make something a bad movie. Casablanca is arguably a huge propaganda movie. That movie was all about someone who was like, oh, I don't stick my neck out for no one. I'm not going to help anyone in this war against the Nazis. But he ends up overcoming that and helping so many people. I think you can still be a classic movie and still maybe touch upon some of those greater world issues. Okay, so a spoiler again, last last opportunity to leave. A lot of people think that this movie actually none of the events happened in Top Gun Maverick. A lot of people think that Maverick does his little training thing with the plane at the beginning and then dies. And that the rest of the movie is like a fever dream of how he was, you know, things he wishes he could have done, how he wishes he could have made amends with people and done right by people and done better and all of that. Because, and, you know, I'm not going to say it's not a a good argument because like, I get it. Apparently like, that Mach 9, Mach 10 speed is next to impossible to do. I mean, like I'm able to suspend my disbelief for that moment. And then, you know, if it's impossible, then he would crash and die and none of the rest of it would be possible and he wouldn't be able to get promoted and all that, whatever. Um, no, I, while I acknowledge that opinion of that movie, I, I do kind of think it's a sad way of looking at it, to be honest. Personally, when I, when I think about the sequence of events that happened in Top Gun Maverick, I, I see the first scene, like that could almost be a fantasy, you know, he, he might not really be going Mach 9. He could be going Mach 2. I don't know. Whatever. That's how I kind of choose to look at it. If it's not possible. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know anything about aviation and mock. <laughs> I think that interpretation is stupid. <laughs> I'm going to take a strong stance against it. Uh, just because I think that is so pessimistic. It's like when you read the giver book when you're a kid and you're mm-hmm. told that kids when they read the ending they think that the main character goes on and lives because they're kids they're optimistic and that adults always think that the the main character dies at the end because adults are pessimistic i think that's lame i think that's stupid i think it's ridiculous and it's one of those things where i'm glad that maybe it was left open ended so people could have that opinion but I think it's a bad opinion because it reminds me of being in fifth grade writing class. I have to come up with a creative story. I come up with a crazy story. And then at the very end, the last sentence, but it was all a dream. Okay. He was dead the whole time. Like what, where is the satisfaction in that? No, this whole, oh, anytime it ends and it was all a dream or it was all fake to me, sloppy writing. Um, okay, but wait, that's- but quick side note, the only movie that did that well is the movie Click. That is the only exception. Oh, that's it. Okay, but yeah, but here's the thing. It served a purpose and it could have been real. It could have been. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get that. No, that's the only exception. Here's the thing. The whole, but no, the whole thing was framed <laughs> around it. I don't know. That, that one is different. I, I'll give you that one. Points to Click. But okay. <laughs> I I love that you brought up The Giver. That is so just like, this is so just like that. Um. And here's, here's my take on it, honestly. Like, I think when you look at it and you see, think that this whole movie, this entire multi 
million dollar <laughs> budget all went towards a sad depiction of someone failing at life um, and never making amends and never finding peace with people. A, that's sad. And B, I think it's just as realistic to say that it's never too late in life to to make amends with people, to fix things, to right some wrongs, to improve upon your relationships, to improve upon yourself, to make things better, to still go for your dreams. I think that to me, that's what I see in this movie. Like the beginning, I don't know. I don't know anything about Mock. I can even, I can suspend my disbelief. I know that there was a real plane that was flown. So I know that that roof coming off was like a real thing that happened. I don't know, but like, I'm willing to change that a bit in my mind that that was a little bit more of a fantasy than I am to say the whole movie is a fantasy. But to me, I think it's very inspiring to look at this movie and see him making amends with Goose's son, Rooster. And like they have a poor, strained relationship. He kind of screwed him over a little bit and try to make it better. I think that his relationship with Penny, I think that clearly they were meant to be like, there was clearly two mentions of her in the original, (laughs) like she was on his mind. She was part of his life. And I believe that he, it's possible to make that happen with her and continue that relationship at another time. It's possible for him to improve his relationship with Rooster. Like, you know, he screwed up a little bit with his Top Gun instructive thing. It was something he initially felt passionate about. It's, It's possible to revisit that. Like this movie just made me think that it's so possible to make things better. Um, Oh, the other thing that people point to that this whole movie was, or that the whole thing was a fever dream of dying was that the enemies didn't have like a clear identity, but you know what? Neither did the enemies in the first one. Okay. And like, do you really want the U S to just like start picking a, a, a fight with a random country via Top Gun Maverick? Is that worth it? I don't think so. I think we could easily just say that this is some terrorist group or whatever, or, 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 or just making it timeless. Just kind of like the first one that it's just the enemy, you know, <laughs> it's because enemies change sometimes. It's just, you know, the people that have a problem with that, then you have a problem with Top Gun in general. And there's no helping <laughs> that because that's literally what happened in the first one. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. That's why don't watch the Top Gun movies because you're just going to have an issue. They're movies for a reason. They're not real life. They're just supposed to be fun, fake movies. <laughs> Sorry they're not going hardcore against some country (laughs) country uh, it's just it's not worth it it's so ridiculous no so that's stupid I'm not even including that into the 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 pile of evidence that it's fake but no I just watching it all like watching it come together watching him you know hug rooster and then being friends again and then watching that picture with goose and him and like then I got a sense of peace that was more like fulfilling to my soul than the dog tags and and then like watching him with penny seeing oh my god that even might have been hotter than all the scenes in the first one combined him like going up to her her in the car they're both in these cool jackets and jeans just looking like a couple americans i love that they made jennifer connelly penny benjamin i think it's particularly fun because We know a little bit of Jennifer Connelly from the 80s. We can picture what she looked like back in the day. So then you can picture the aesthetic of the Top Gun movie and then picture what she looked like. 
And yeah. I can see her's a little rascal going off with a totally. military guy. At a military totally. just, a, just a rambunctious kid who's just like, yeah, but these Top Gun guys are hot. Like, especially this Maverick, this hot young Maverick. Let's let's go see what it's about. I could totally picture that being Jennifer Connelly, 100%. And quick side note, I just have to say, I'm not the world's biggest Miles Teller fan, but that is one of the most wonderful selections for for a character to play Goose's son that I could have ever imagined. No, I love I don't know like how how they didn't see it to begin with. I know it took some effort. Like they had to put a mustache on him and lighten his hair. I was sold before that. He totally looks like Anthony Edwards and Meg Ryan's son. He looked like, I feel like he's got kind of like similar upper half to Anthony Edwards, like similar lower half to Meg Ryan. And then you lighten up the hair and it's all there. I don't know. I see it. That was phenomenal. That was a fantastic casting choice. I loved it. Loved it. That was great. I felt very happy with that. Like, I loved that we revisited that. We got to see that come together. I love that. Yeah. And here's the, oh, oh, it's another Star Wars reference. Okay. I think it's a problem that some people might have. No, no, no. How do I put this? Okay. One of my issues I had with Star Wars episode seven, whatever, what is the Force Awakens? It was seen for seeing the same movie as A New Hope. I'm sorry, but it was. It it was. And I can I can create the storyboard showing how it's the same for you if you'd really like. Okay. <laughs> um it, it, <laughs> the ship was just like another the Death Planet. Um uh, okay, yeah, really, whatever. No creative I mean, Disney. It's the same story. There's a a, a young abandoned kid in the desert who joins an older wiser person who then goes to the death star planet with a cloaked enemy who then takes down their wise older mentor any whatever no that was cheap i don't like the new star wars movies i will take that stance i don't care and i think one could argue that this is similar that there's this that there's similar veins that there's you know there was the volleyball game and then there's the flag football game and then but no they they, the they were different yeah that was different the volleyball scene was kind of just like sexy just like oh look at these hot oiled up guys the football scene was a team bonding experience it had (laughs) purpose whereas the volleyball scene did not no it it like you have homages like the great balls of fire scene that serves the purpose of calling back to the memory of him being with his friend. Like the connection is clearly there out of memory and out of homage versus just copying it. It also, it's a different story. Ironically enough, it actually is kind of a similar plot to the second half of a new hope with trying to get the little target in this impossible canyon um but yes i think it was the perfect amount of callbacks without being the same movie ultimately i think again people will criticize top gun maverick for maybe you know a for recruitment a little like pro warish but here's the thing like and maybe this is going to sound a little controversial a little bit non neutral but like when i look at the state of where our country's at right now we're in a state of war maybe it's not with like some external enemy it's like the faceless the, the faceless <laughs> enemy that everyone's the faceless so- enemy 
but like <laughs> it's exhausting and it's tiring and it can be very defeating feeling. I have been very defeated personally in some of the things that have been going on. Um, but this movie gives me hope that I have the abilities within myself to contribute and make things better. And I don't know how exactly that looks right now, but I just, I believe in the people and I believe that we have the power to win this war on social justice. And I think that that's what this movie was, what I took away from this movie that we're stronger together. Yeah, it's, I I think that's just a great message. And I think it's just all about having hope. Yeah. I I think that they were all just felt so hopeless. Like you can make things better. Yeah. It's possible. It's just all about working together. Yeah. I mean, those are basically a quick summation of my thoughts. Uh, Overall, I do highly recommend seeing Top Gun Maverick. And I think that Lady Gaga deserves her second win for Hold My Hand. But all right. So that's it. (laughs) That's our Top Gun episode. That's all. (laughs) Hope you're happy. Um, (laughs) Okay. That sounded weird. Um, (laughs) I hope hope you're happy. All the people supported by top gun <laughs> all the things they messed up oh god <laughs> no. With this. <laughs> no I, I i did have fun talking about this it was a little bit hard to get here but i'm happy we ended up going through with it so i hope that everyone has a good holiday weekend uh isabella where can they find us well, Emma, they can find us on Instagram at Old Soul Movie Podcast. On Twitter, they can find us at Old Soul Pod. And on Facebook, they can find us at the Old Soul Movie Podcast. Excellent. We love it. We want to hear your opinions on Top Gun, both the first one and on Top Gun Maverick. I also want to hear your favorite call sign. Yes. Minus yes. Hangman. I like Hangman. Um, no, honestly, my favorite's Goose. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Call if you're going classics, of course, Goose, but Hangman, I loved mm. his helmet decal. I loved the name. Solid. I kind of like Phoenix. It was a little like it was good. Phoenix was all right. It was all right. Because that's where she was from, right? Yeah, that's a little <laughs> cheap. That's a little cheap then. I, but it is a good name. It's cool. It's cool. It could be like the bird. Phoenix. See, I took, like, yeah, like, I took it as her like, well, okay, another spoiler. <laughs> she crashed and she was like her rising from the ashes. She went back at it again. Oh, and- wow. Gosh, Emma, you're so smart. But yeah, I want to hear everyone's favorite call sign. What would your call sign be? What would you give our call signs as? Like, let us know. <laughs> yeah, please. Please let us know. Fun stuff. But yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us during this special holiday special (laughs) of the old soul movie podcast featuring top gun um i'm not gonna lie episodes will be coming out a little bit sporadically going forward we're traveling a lot there's just a lot of weddings going on a lot of bridal shower type things going on um i'm gonna try to get like a solid transportable microphone situation to to maybe be able to record more. But um, yeah, so I don't know when the next episode will be, but it might be um, not within the next week or so. But that being said, we have some really, really cool ones ahead. Some cool guests coming, some cool talks. It's going to be good. But anyway, thank you all so much. I know, again, this is a longer episode. But we will see you next time on the Old Soul Movie Podcast. Bye.